in this type of environment where fundamentals are still strong, but financing costs have gone up, really, in our view, you want to be higher in the capital stack and first in line to capture that income. The dynamics have been totally changed by the cost of financing. And as we enter this later cycle environment and you want to get a little more defensive, it's probably a good idea to go up in capital structure and debt offers you um, an opportunity to, to do that. Welcome back to Fireside, a podcast from FS Investments. My name is Kara O'Halloran. I'm a director on the investment research team here. On today's episode, we are going to take a tour of commercial real estate markets, specifically where CRE fundamentals sit now, what rising financing costs could mean for debt versus equity investors, and what a slowing economy means for the asset class. So to discuss all of this, I am pleased to welcome my colleague, Andrew Kors. Andrew, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kara. Yeah, sure thing. Um, So last we talked a few months ago, we went through the strong fundamentals that the commercial real estate market had really after a record 2021. Um, But we also discussed some of the headwinds that the asset class faced, mainly in the form of the potential for rising cap rates given the Fed's tightening cycle and, and some of the other kind of more macro topics that we discuss a lot on this podcast. Um, So I want to today get an update on some of those and then talk about where we may be headed for the next few months. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, let's dive in. So CRE has, and rightfully so, a reputation as an inflation hedge, right, which is particularly attractive given the levels of of inflation that we've seen this year, Um, or I should say it historically has been a strong inflation hedge. So now that we've had about a year or a year and a half of these inflationary pressures, We've had some time to assess whether that holds true this cycle, right? So has it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's, I mean, inflation is still top of everybody's mind, totally. I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we kind of look back to the beginning of this inflation episode, which really, if you look at CPI data, really kind of started in March of 2021, where you had a combination of the last big piece of fiscal stimulus that came in late January of 21, you had the reopening economy with the vaccine, and you had this, you know, supply chain wall um, where we we really were unable to kind of figure out how to how to expand capacity. So you had these three things coming together to to sort of form a perfect storm. Um, and the question at that point for investors became, how do I position my portfolios to um, to sort of reduce my exposure to inflation and increase my exposure to asset classes that can that can um, actually, you know, utilize that inflation to to boost their income generation. And the first thing that generally comes up is real assets, including real estate. Um, but the reality is, like, we haven't had an inflationary episode in a very long time, as we've talked about. So we talk about real estate as an inflation hedge, and certainly there's some good data back in the 70s and the 80s, but really it hasn't been tested in a very long time. So as you said, we've had about 15 or 16 months now since the start of this inflationary episode. And, you know, if we look at, across the market, most sectors have seen rent growth that has outpaced um, even the pace of, of inflation, which has been six, seven, eight percent for, for much of the last year and a half. Um, you know, leading the charge sort of is, is multifamily, which has seen rent growth of, of north of 15 percent, um, which is massive. But if you really think about it from a fundamental perspective, um, where has the where's the demand been coming from? Right. It's been going to multifamily and housing because people have been moving out of their parents' homes. People have been, you know, shut out of the housing market, um, and they've had to go rent an apartment. So vacancy rates there are are incredibly low. Um, it's gone to hotel because people want to travel again. 
It's gone to industrial because people have been buying durable goods like appliances and furniture to um, to furnish their new homes. So these parts of the of, of the real estate market have really been core to where that that jump in demand has been going. So as an investor, you've really gotten to get exposure directly to where those inflationary forces are coming from. And that's really um, exactly what we were kind of hoping the market would do. And, and the data so far is bearing that out. So the other big topic of conversation other than inflation has been growth, right? So I think it's, and, and last we talked, I think the last time we did one of these Outlook episodes was April. And we, ha- we weren't really super concerned about a looming recession at that point. I think it was really in May when those recession fears really came to the forefront. Um, commercial real estate is a very economically sensitive asset class. Um, you said fundamentals remain really strong. We've seen really strong rent growth. We've also started to see some moderation in price growth and in transaction volumes recently. Um, granted, they're moderating off of really very high levels, but I think it still begs the question, you know, is this just a mean reversion or this is actually the title of your outlook, which I yeah. love. Is it a mean reversion or is it something more? So, Andrew, are you seeing any signs right now that this is kind of a symptom of a broader economic slowdown? Yeah, I, I think that's the operative question across a lot of asset uh, markets right now, whether it's equities, whether it's housing, and certainly commercial real estate. Is this something where, you know, it's just the the market coming back to earth, or is, is, you know, are we really going to something more challenging here? Um, and there's a lot of things that go into that. I'm not going to try to answer that um, for certain right now. Um, I'm, I'm not probably in a position to make that forecast. But look, there, there's no doubt that commercial real estate is an economically sensitive asset class. Um, rents tend to decline at least a little bit um, in a recession, uh, depending on the depth of a recession. It could be more or less. Depending on the sector, it could be more or less. Um, but rents tend to decline when the economy um, is slower, and they tend to go up when the economy is is growing. From a very basic level, that's kind of you know uh, how fundamentals are are impacted by the economy. Um, and if, if we look at the economy and, and, and the outlook right now. Um, our chief economist, Laura Raim, uh, her view right now is that, look, the the possibility of a recession, um, the probability has has risen fairly substantially, um, specifically for probably the first half of 2023, which it, it's something that all um, asset classes have to grapple with right now, right? And certainly, um, it's something that that real estate investors should be thinking about very hard. That said, I would, even in their case of a recession, I would offer two caveats. The first being that we all have recency bias in investing, and it's important to remember that the last two recessions have been really extraordinary, right? So you had the COVID crisis where it was a really short but really sharp recession, right? Where demand evaporated, we shut down the economy. Um, It was really an existential moment, not just for the economy, but specifically for real estate, because it is an inherently proximity driven, physical, uh, market, right? And you know, when you when you shut down the economy, nobody's going to retail stores, nobody's going to hotels, nobody's going to offices. Yeah, we completely changed the way that we live our yeah. lives. Yeah, and, and it was and the e- places that we lived our lives. Yeah, and and it was existential because you had concerns about you know a, a wave of borrowers defaulting on their debt. Eventually, we did have fiscal stimulus. We had the Paycheck Protection Program. We had the Main Street Lending Program from the Fed. They came in, they they helped small businesses continue to pay yeah, their rents. And quickly. But I remember like the depth of, you know, probably March eighteenth yeah. before the Fed, you know, around then it was it was terrifying. We didn't know yeah. we were all locked in our houses, had no idea that any of this was gonna happen. It was and and we found a way out of it. 
Um, but it was a really existential moment, and I think it probably overrates the um, the economic impact to fundamentals in a more normal recession, right? And then you think about the recession prior to that, which was the global financial crisis, which was a recession wrapped inside of a financial crisis, right? Um, where you had uh, this sort of contagion within the lending market where um, you had borrowers defaulting on their loans and banks and other lenders uh, had to write those loans off as losses. They, they pulled back from offering more financing, which sort of started this vicious cycle, which ultimately led to a really painful, prolonged drawdown in property prices. Um, the only other time we've seen that really was in the early 90s with the uh, recession in 91 and the aftermath of the SNL crisis where you had a bunch of banks that, um, that had failed. Other than that, um, whether you talk about the early 2000s recession, the, the ones in the 80s, you didn't have this type of really painful drawdown in property prices. So when we look at a recession, look, it, like it's not good, but certainly the last two are extraordinary and we wouldn't expect that those impacts to necessarily be the case in, in a more um, garden variety recession, if you will. And then the second caveat I, I would offer is just, this is a really heterogeneous asset class. Some areas are more cyclical. Some areas are more defensive. You think multi, you think grocery anchored retail, you think self-storage. These are more defensive parts of, this, of the asset class. Um, so not every sector is is necessarily going to be impacted in the same way. Yeah, I think that's the first caveat you offered is very important because I think, you know, 08 is still, it was a while ago, but it's still really fresh in our minds and it was such a real estate driven recession. It's so yeah. hard to, you can kind of like overlook COVID in a, in a sense, just not overlook it. But, you know, if you're thinking about recessions, that was so, you know, that was such a sudden, like the economy just completely shut down. So the one that we look at even, you know, just more recently is, is 08. And yeah. so that's so fresh in our minds and it was such a real estate driven recession. So it's, you know, um, and I know we've talked about this when we did some of our housing episodes where, you know, we don't see this housing bubble, but also I, I think it's important that, you know, what you just said, we don't see prices necessarily fall unless there's a credit crunch element to it. That's exactly right. And like, to, like exactly to your point, the, the OA crisis was a credit crisis, mm -hmm. right? That turned into a really deep recession. Um, there are none of the um, you know, excesses in in lending markets now that there were then. Um, so we really don't see the same type of um, same type of weakness from lenders as we did then, and and I think that is a positive even even going into a more questionable economic environment. Yeah. So so started you brought up lenders. So let's talk about financing costs. Um, and when we last spoke, the Fed I think had only hiked once. Um, now they've hiked 150 basis points. And by the time this episode comes out, they'll have likely hiked. We expect another 75 basis point hike um, tomorrow, actually. Um, so obviously the cost of financing is increasing significantly. And with that comes, you know, the returns to equity to start to decline. So it puts equity investors in a tough spot. Um, so right now, you know, what do you think the major considerations are between investing in debt versus equity at this point in the cycle? Yeah, I, I think it's a really important point. We think about the residential market, right, where we've seen mortgage rates go from below 3% uh, a year, a year and a half ago to close to 6 and now hovering in the, in the mid 5% range. The same thing's happening in the commercial market. The data is not quite as available, and it's a little, you know, every sector is going to have slightly different data, but um, mortgage rates have skyrocketed in, in the commercial mortgage market. And, you know, you look back over the past two years, it's been an incredible time to be a property owner because 
you've had a property that is maybe still you know yielding five to six percent um, in terms of rental income to the property owner, and you've had incredibly low financing costs. So the property owner is basically just capturing that spread between the two, right? And what that's done is it's 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 brought in more and more demand because people say, oh, I'll 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 happily buy a property at that and and sort of capture that spread, and it's 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 pushed up and pushed up property prices um, to the point where we're now twenty plus percent year over year property price growth, and that's just really been a feature um, partially of really low financing costs. Now that they've come up more than two hundred basis points in some cases, it it totally. Um, repositions and creates a new equilibrium for the market in 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 my mind. It makes no sense economically for somebody to buy a property, finance it um, at a five and a half percent mortgage rate for a property that only yields five percent. It mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense. So really what's going to have to happen in my view is that cap rates are going to have to um, start to start to rise in some cases, um, especially as we enter more questionable economic um, Outlooks here, you're going to have to see valuations reset a bit. Assuming financing costs stay where they are, um, but assuming they do, you're going to have to see valuations start to uh, correct a bit. Um, and and what that means is that the the property price appreciation tailwind that equity investors have had over the past couple of years is not going to be nearly as strong in our view over the next um, you know six to twelve months. And in this type of environment where fundamentals are still strong, but financing costs have gone up, really, in our view, you want to be um, higher in the capital stack and first in line to capture that income. Um, we, we think lenders are in in a good position to um, to capture a bigger part of that income pie, if you will. So I just think the the dynamics have been totally changed by the cost of financing increase. Um, and as we enter this later cycle environment and you want to get a little more defensive, it's probably a good idea to go up in capital structure and debt offers you um, an opportunity to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if your investment income or your income stream, your return stream, I should say, from a real estate investment is income and uh, price gains. If those price gains are yeah. going to dissipate a little bit, you might as well um, get higher in the capital structure and get a little more right. support and, and, and interest rates have gone up, which means lenders can can generate more income. It's kind of that (laughs) simple, right? Yeah, yeah, when you put it that way. Okay, so I want to wrap up with a little lightning round, if you will, rapid fire. Um, So, you know, something I like about doing these you know, sector focused or asset class focused episodes as we get to, we, yes, we talked a lot about the macro forces impacting the market, but I want to, I want to get a little deeper and I want to talk about some of the sectors, especially as we get later cycle, as interest rates start to rise just across markets, you need to be more discerning and especially in CRE, which is a very heterogeneous asset class. So let's do a, a little around the sectors in, let's call it, see if we can stick to like three minutes. All right. <laughs> can we do I, it? I will do my best. I know you will. Um, I, uh, I'll i give you a little leeway too. We have some time. I so, appreciate it. All right. So we'll, we'll do the five main sectors. Um, so sure. let's start with some of our pandemic darlings, if you will. Um, let's do multifamily and industrial. Sure. So multifamily rent growth has been incredibly strong, as I mentioned, over 15% year over year, which is completely unheard of. Vacancy rates are at all-time lows. Part of this is because we've started a lot of construction projects and we haven't finished them. Um, 
you know, and, and that's driven some of this rent growth. So as we get more supply online, I would expect rent growth starts to moderate, which actually I would say could be a positive for the economy because it's such a driver of inflation right, right now. If, if we can get that down a bit, it might actually be good for the economy and thus for multifamily demand. Yeah. So look, demand's still really strong. Okay. How about um, industrial? I know we saw some Amazon headlines that yeah. maybe they had over overdone the warehouse thing. Um, how's the rest of the sector? Yeah. Work? So when that happened, the, the public industrial rates, stock prices all kind of plummeted. Totally. It seemed like that was more of a one-off to Amazon who just invested a bit too much. Um, vacancy rates are still at all-time lows. Uh, supply and demand, st- you know, getting a little more in balance, but demand is still incredibly strong. E-commerce is a secular force. Um, we actually see deglobalization as something that's going to drive uh, increased demand as well as, as mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, firms choose to hold more inventory. They're going to need more warehouse capacity. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say it's not as crazy as it was maybe a year ago, but it's still in, an incredibly high demand sector. All right. How about a uh, hotel? The hotel fundamentals are actually really strong here. Um, Occupancy rates are above pre-COVID levels. Um, Of course, the outlook for the consumer is important. Um, Consumer confidence is really low right now, but people are still traveling. People still want to engage in some of the activities they were unable to do uh, during the pandemic. Uh, So the leisure part of the hotel market is still booming. The business travel part is is still a little bit questionable, but... uh, all in all, the market is is uh, fundamentals look pretty strong. Okay, so speaking of you know business, uh, let's hit let's hit office. Yeah, I mean it's challenging, right? Like it it really depends on where you are, um, both regionally and um, in terms of the type of of property that you're talking about. Um, if you're talking about the South, places in Texas, actually office demand is is fine. Places like San Francisco, not so fine. Um, and then of course like newer amenity rich offices like we're lucky to have here at FS. Yeah. Um, people want to come into those, right? If they have the option, yeah. they'll come in through, you know, three, four days a week. We're Old, here. <laughs> yeah, we're here. Um, you know, older offices, if people have the option, they're not, they're just not going to go in because it's, it's not particularly convenient. So it's a, it's, it's really heterogeneous within that, within that sector uh, right now, but overall probably the most challenging um, of the five major sectors right now. Yeah. Do you feel like the longer we stay home, the harder it's going to be? I mean, it has to be, right? The longer you stay home, it's yeah, yeah, the harder I, it is to get back to work. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I think it's here to stay. Object in motion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, there's inertia here, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one, retail. Yeah. So retail, um, I would say it's a bit of a bifurcated market. You have sort of the cyclical uptrend for places like malls, but look, like malls are still really challenged from a secular standpoint. And you have things like grocery anchored retail, which like. Grocery is sort of the one thing that e-commerce hasn't quite figured out. Like we still kind of all go to buy our groceries um, physically. In, in, in I ordered stores mine now. online yesterday. Yeah, but it, <laughs> you're different. <laughs> it was like the first time I had done that in months since the depths of the pandemic. Yeah. I didn't have but, enough time. Like, people want to see like 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 they want to see the bell, I, the bell wanna, pepper they're exactly. buying. Exactly. Right? I want to. I'm. I don't trust anyone else with my produce. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so that type of of um, of property, you know, grocery anchored um, shopping center is really defensive in nature. Um, it's something that, you know, a, as you go into an economic slowdown, it's, it's, it's a place you kind of want to be. So it's, you know, it's, it, it's still a tough market because e-commerce is taking share there, but um, we do see opportunities there. Cool. Andrew, I have to say my favorite thing about doing um, these rapid fire rounds with you is that you still say the same amount of content. You just talk really fast. Yeah. Well, so that was pretty impressive. You, you didn't set the ground rules here. All right. Okay? Well, next time I'll set the ground rules. <laughs> I will. I think before we walked in, I said two sentences. I will each, find a way. I will find a way. 
Oh, that was actually quite impressive. <laughs> um, all right. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, Andrew, thanks so much for being on. And we'll have you back soon. Awesome. This was fun. Thanks, Kara. If you liked this episode, subscribe to Fireside wherever you get your podcasts.